0: Hello, my name is Connor. And I'm Jason. And you are listening to the Amazed and Perplexed Podcast. So
1: in our last episode... We had, uh, Quincy Rush was here and blessed us. and We're very grateful for that, Quincy. That's two episodes you've impacted now, last one, and I'm uh, mentioning your name. <laughs> and now we don't have Quincy. I just wanted everybody to know that. Uh, we are in Luke chapter six, uh, uh, verses, we're going to be going through uh, one through six. Uh, but to give this context, um, Connor, is there anything you think we should notice uh, to be able to see this in maybe a clearer, more rich way?
0: yeah I think um so the the calendar for the Jew, that the jews live their life by um there's some approximations for what we can get in like in our modern American culture but it's very hard to wrap our mind around um around the the weekly rhythm and the way of life of the Jews at this time, because um, we're just not as unified. We all have different schedules, different whatever. We're not beholden to the sun as our only uh, instrument of being able to see in the dark, or I guess that is, yeah, be able to see it at all. <laughs> um, and so there, there's some things here that are just going to be hard for us to understand. Um, but maybe if I, were to, if I were to put it into like church culture, um, the thing that Jesus suggests here, he, Jesus is going to talk about, um, talk about Sabbath. And we, I think most people don't really have a well-defined, thought-out process for why we do church and when we do church and why it's incredibly important. Um, and I think if we're being honest, most of us don't even necessarily look forward to church. Um, but there are, I mean, there, there are there are those of us who might have well-defined thoughts um, at different times over all these things. But I, I just want you to imagine, let's say you view church And Sunday morning church, you you see the significance of Sunday morning being the day of the resurrection. Um, You see um, the beauty of at the beginning of every week, giving honor and glory to God and drawing back together with your fellow community. And in fact, not just you see all those things, you eagerly anticipate. And you believe that this rhythm is woven into um, not just like your life and your family's life, but into the fabric of creation. Um, I want you to imagine that. And also... It's the only day you don't have to work, and then somebody comes along and says, "You're doing it wrong," or somebody comes along and says, "The heart behind what you're doing is completely wrong." In fact, um, I need to completely change your perspective on how you view this monumental, um, monumentally important thing that you is a guidepost for your week. I need to change that, um, and I'm a guy, and I'm saying that the way that you are living your life one day of the week is the heart behind it is completely wrong. And I think maybe for me that can get to a little bit of of the gut reaction for what it would be like for a Jew in the time of Jesus to hear the teachings that Jesus has on the Sabbath.
1: I think that is that's a great setup. I, I even I honestly don't want to add much to it simply because I think that is such a good framing. So as I read this, I I would want you to just ask yourself where you are in the story. I mm-hmm. uh, and from that vantage point, what amazes and perplexes you, uh, because this is one of those stories that you have a clear two clear sides. Not every story has that. You might have a different perspective. Um, but uh, but I like that. And yeah, so I've, oh my, I'm percolating so much. Let's just jump into it. So verse one, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them. Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is unlawful what, what? Sorry, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, "The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath." So, just a few
0: verses, lots
1: to think about. So, what hits you? What amazes you about this?
0: Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's so much, and even when you were talking, I was like, there's so much more context you can put, and and thinking about, um, thinking about if I viewed Sunday morning worship as, um as something that was mimicking the very act of God which is what they would have seen the the sabbath as is as, as, as taking part in the rest that God took um on uh with creation what amazes me is um is is the way that Jesus directs this uh like the way this is directed towards the pharisees i don't know if i'd ever really fully um fully accounted for um i wonder here You know, I've always, I've always, there's so many, there's so many different angles you can come at this, but I don't know if I've ever really fully appreciated that maybe a lot of what the heart behind, um, behind the Sabbath, uh, what a lot of the heart behind what, why the Pharisees are so upset or why they're trying to nail him on this is some, is, is found in some of the language. Um, that Jesus uses. And and I, I can do, I'll can i have to do some further reading about this as, if this is just a common duh sort of thought. But um, Jesus says in 4, He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. And I, I have to wonder if that statement is something directed at the Pharisees. Like in the heart of—the the Pharisees clearly have a poor idea of what the Sabbath is and, and what Yahweh has called the Sabbath to be. Um, but I also wonder if in their heart, there's something like, listen, that the work, quote unquote, that's done on the Sabbath, it's done by the priestly class, it's done by, um, the religious elite or whatever. And I, you know, I I do wonder if there's a piece here that Jesus is speaking to them. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I I don't know if I'd ever picked up on that and maybe I'm completely off base, but.
1: No, I, I, I think it is, it's a fascinating response. I, I just think it's fascinating because in my memory where this shows up is, David is on the run from Saul. He he shows up and, he you know, with imagine if you're on the run. Imagine if all of a sudden you're like, you got to go. You can't pack your house. You can't take a bag. You got to go. You're running for your life. So he shows up and his group of men and they show up at this uh, priest. Yeah, that uh, had he liked him, you know. And so he's like, yeah, all I got is this. So they're eating this bread under duress. And so it's like it's a weird parallel to draw. And that really pushes my mind and thinking, why would this be a legit parallel? I, yeah. I'm not suggesting the Pharisees accept it. This actually runs into another story, so we don't even get their response. But but it is interesting how they're doing it. The other thing is Jesus didn't initiate this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so then you're like, okay, these are these Jewish men that have been raised, not simply with the law in general, but the specific application of the law that would lead the Pharisees to make this accusation Were they... Just unaware, like not unaware of the law. I just can't imagine they wouldn't know that. Mm-hmm. But but are they are they just not paying attention? They're just like I'm hungry and I got to eat. Are they in? Are they under duress in the sense that not a king is following them, but but uh how I many king is leaving them? But, I'm, but but anyway, but uh, they're they're homeless. They yeah, they're don't homeless. Know. Yeah, and this is all they have. You know. So under that, uh, that so it, so it's interesting to me. You know, almost separate from this is what is the mindset of the disciples that they think it's okay? um, but that being said, Jesus' response basically th- this ties into what you said, yeah, I remember you you just said the priest this isn't what you said, but this is what I heard is the idea that that when when the Sabbath, the people can do nothing. The only people's job that really matters are the important people, which would be the Pharisees and the priests, the people that make the sacrifices and the people that. You know, create the worship times and things like that. They're the important people. So now he's just compared him. Uh, this, this. Is, I'm going to weigh in. This is what amazes me. He just compared what they would perceive as super common, because the Pharisees aren't acknowledging Jesus as Messiahship, much less. Eventually, some will acknowledge him as a rabbi, but I don't think at this point. And so they're like, what? What are you saying? Like you're equating yourself
0: mm-hmm. with
1: with the, one of the greatest kings in our history. Yeah. And and he's he's putting themselves uh, basically saying you know what, you know how they were royalty, so are we. Uh, I, I'm yeah. I'm I'm just thinking out loud yeah. here, but.
0: Well, and you think there ha I, you wonder if it's a two fold play to almost like a one two punch sort of where David equates himself i mean Jesus equates himself with David and you go you know how like how how dare you on the one sense from the Pharisees, but then he goes to the end and says, um, you know and calls himself um, you know the Son of man and is the Lord of the Sabbath well, who's the Lord of the Sabbath that's the one who created the Sabbath so mm-hmm. then you just go you get this one two punch of Jesus declaring his identity um and there is a sense in which this passage is about, who do you think you are? That's that, that's ultimately what the Pharisees, right. you know, who do you think you are? You Why do you think you're allowed to do this? Um, and the first response you could, you know, and I've heard people talk about how the specific, the disciples' actions here would not have actually violated the law and that the Pharisees are incorrect in, in, in their um, in their interpretation, interpretation of the law. But even past that, um, it'd be easy for Jesus to, to rebut their... Um, Re- rebut their their take and their interpretation on the law but there's a sense here in which you wonder the deeper question is is who do you think you are to one doubt our interpretation to act on that um and to allow people to, to go further into that and jesus answer is like i'm of the line of david and not just am i of the line of david like not only am i going to say i'm this you know the messiah in fact i am lord of the sabbath and that can really only mean one thing
1: yeah, yeah, and, and so I guess this provokes me to say, what, would, what answer would I have expected from him based on my understanding of what, what was wrong with the way they were, they were acknowledging or honoring the Sabbath? To be clear, it does say in the book of Leviticus, it says, well, first of all, it says, you know, only the, I think, Aaronic priesthood uh, were allowed to eat the bread, you know, and it does talk about doing the work of harvesting, you know and so the the typical critique of the pharisees were god says i don't i don't want you to work i want you to worship me and and what was really taken away is he said not to work so now we have to quantify what is work instead of emphasizing let's really emphasize the worship piece let, and man this sounds like how i was raised let's emphasize all those things you're not allowed to do and hammer them hammer them so that you hardly even notice the worship mm-hmm. you just become paranoid about the what not to do and so that's usually the critique. So I would have thought Jesus would have said to them, guys, y- you missed it. it. It wasn't about can you eat a few kernels? It's about worship. Mm-hmm. You know that- That's what I would expect. I don't expect him to accept it, but I expect that to be his logic. But then he jumps into this David thing, and it's like it's startling that he would go there once you understand that comparison.
0: yeah well and even even in the sense here i think what you said brings me to what per- brings me to what perplexes me and i think about that would be the exp- what you said the expectation is for for jesus to respond i think that's a lot of how that, that's how christians for a long time interpreted this passage was a Jesus' critique of the Sabbath as an institution, or Jesus' critique of the idea of Sabbath rest? And so, you know, I grew up, and I think we're seeped in it, certainly in our American culture, in terms of the, um, in terms of just the desire for hurry, for more, for go, 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 go. Um, our our society, both church and just you know, secularly, we we worship busyness. Um, that is that is just an altar that we all, to one degree or the other, go to. And it's so perplexing to me that like. I think we'd have the expectation for Jesus to address this concern as like, oh no, you're missing, you're missing the heart of it, and, and you're, you're corrupting it, and it's this this or that, and and there is this there is that sense here, but at the very end, we also then go and corrupt the words of Jesus. Jesus says like when Jesus says he's the Lord of the Sabbath, that's not him saying, and you need to like not worry about rest and the Sabbath. It's like it's not Jesus completely abolishing the Sabbath, like many have pretended was the case for a long time, uh, and so it, it's so. It's you. You started this off talking about how this is a. It almost feels like a you know side versus side thing. But then when you add the meta piece of, of us now, um, you you almost wonder if we expect Jesus to say something because we have this new third way that like we have we have imposed uh, third issue that we've imposed upon Jesus that we want him to speak to. When it's like no, Jesus spoke to that when he said he's Lord of the Sabbath, and so Jesus is the Sabbath rest. Jesus is the fulfillment. Jesus is where we find our ultimate rest. Um, and yet and yet like jesus makes this radical declaration which is what what it is to declare himself lord of the sabbath jesus is inviting you and i to rest in that and for whatever reason um we have stripped that away and not just done away with a sabbath from you know sundown to uh from sundown to sundown on a saturday we've stripped that away to be like uh, to rest is to be lazy to rest is to be wasteful. Um, So yeah, it's just, it's so, it's so perplexing to me how the things that we've read in to what Jesus has to say about the Sabbath that just aren't there and sometimes are directly contradictory to what he says.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's, I think this is often the, the danger is I make Jesus in my own image. I take a few things that I, typically, not necessarily that I like, but I'm most comfortable with, and then I make that everything. And I, I see it in other people first. I'm like, Jesus wasn't like that. And then I have to step back and be like, oh, wait a minute, I've created my own Jesus, and here's what he's like. And hey, it lines up with all the things what, I want. Wouldn't you know it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the thing that perplexes me is, and this, man, it, it, it's it's not, this isn't the only time obviously it shows up, but Jesus going for the more complicated response and not the easier response i still don't understand does that give me permission to be a little bit what i perceive to be obtuse now maybe the pharisees obtuse meaning hard to understand i didn't mean to uh, i know you (laughs) knew, but just in case there's somebody out there but but it's that idea of it's like I, i i would i don't know i just he he wants people to be learners and I think I'm all the time interacting with people and I'm like, man, if I can be a part of you learning more about Jesus, I want to be. And if they signal me, for example, I've, I've studied with people that are like I have to use the King James because that was my grandma's Bible. And I'm like, okay, well, the King James is really hard to understand, especially if you're not, you know, tuned into it, if you have an experience with it. And so I've worked with people and met them where they are, you know, And Jesus with the Pharisees, and this is still early on in his ministry, and I'm not suggesting he's being unfair to them. I think he's being loving to them. I just can't figure out how. (laughs) And Uh. I don't know how, I don't know what to do with it exactly, because if somebody asked me about this, I would say... Kind of what I've said before, you know. I think you're missing a point here. Uh, these guys are hungry because we haven't eaten in X amount of time, and they were just doing. But that's not harvesting. That's not real work. You know, this is basic sustaining. You know, you pull your, you know, whatever ox out of a well. You know, kind of thing. And and so this is a common, not common, but this this is a common sense. There we go. A common sense application of this, and the focus is worship. Yeah. But he doesn't do any of that, and then I'm like, oh man, is it un. To be cryptic to me is unloving. I think that's really what I need to own. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because people have hurt me when they were cryptic. That makes sense. And given me the impression of things that weren't necessarily true. And man, I would have been blessed if they just clarified. So I think I'm taking this pretty personal yeah. with Jesus. I'm like, stop being cryptic. And and again, like you said earlier, it's hard to make this parallel. They might have t- been talking about David with the showbread every day for the last six months. I don't know, you know. But it, it does seem a little bit obscure. And it does seem... It's an answer, but it, but it doesn't really satisfy the heart of the problem. Now the last statement does, but even that I would consider the power move. Mm-hmm. Like like his authority is he's the son of man, and that's true. What's my authority? Well, in some cases I'm your minister. You know what I mean? So am I allowed to say that? They're like, I don't know if we agree with you, Jason. Well, here's an obscure thing from First Kings, and I'm your minister. You know, is that okay? And and I know Jesus isn't lording it over them. I, I know
0: he's not, but it's hard for me to. Put it all together, I guess one i I think yeah I think that's a fantastic uh, just fantastic observations and i don't I don't know if I have an answer for it um, but maybe maybe I have a perspective on it and so I, I think what Jesus is speaking I, what I wonder here is, is our expectation in every interaction is that when Jesus is going to provide clarity, the important thing is he provide clarity for the exact thing, the surface level thing that is being addressed here. And I think what Jesus is doing here is underneath this is, is the question of who are you and why are you doing this? And I think that's the most important question in the history of the universe is who was Jesus, right? I think like, that, that can undergird pretty much any conversation we ever have. That's, that's the most important question. Um, the, literally our lives, the universe, the fate of everything, and everybody you've ever known revolves around the question of who is Jesus. And so there's a sense here in which it would be easy for Jesus to get bogged down in the details and be like, no, don't you understand? Like When I interpret the rules of the Sabbath— I, I know and I can I can be the perfect teacher and explain to you exactly how this how it makes sense and how I'm in the right or whatever it would be. Um, but ultimately what's more important for the Pharisees and for the people around Jesus to understand is that question that you're wanting answered, that you're wanting me to get bogged down in is not the question that you should be caring about. And the question you should be caring about is, who am I? Um, And then that Jesus makes pretty abundantly clear for anybody who's willing to listen. As it says, the Pharisees are furious at his answer. And so, um, you know, I wonder sometimes for us, and I I think I do this in my own life, um, I get so bogged down really quickly in the not, get bogged down in the questions that are not, who is jesus and who is jesus to this person who is jesus in this situation and and what can he be and what life can he give Um, and i think this gets to the heart of what we're always talking about with what's the job that i can do and love god and love the person in front of me and i think a lot of times maybe maybe it's more okay to be maybe the answer is i'm not going to say this definitively it's okay to be more cryptic in a situation as long as as, as the picture we're portraying of Jesus is clear. And I think for as angry as the Pharisees get at this and for maybe as, as non-versed in the Jewish scriptures as, as a lot of modern people are, I think Jesus makes himself very clear who he's saying he is. And you go, maybe that's, that's the loving thing is the specific, like, specific issue that Jesus wants to address or the specific issue the Pharisees want to address, um, Jesus is not making clear. But the deeper issue beneath that, Jesus is making clear.
1: I, that works. Yeah, I, I can see that. So what he's not saying is, um, hey, because David did, anybody could do it. You know, it's interesting because he he specifically, even though it says in the in the text the disciples were doing it, whether he introduced the idea or didn't, you know, he certainly takes ownership of it. He's like, hey, David did this first, then he shared it with his companions, meaning he wanted them to see the parallel there. I am the David. These are my these are my companions, and it is that. Um, yeah, I see that, but but you're that that really helps me. It's like he is being clear about what's most important about being clear mm-hmm. is the idea of
0: here is who I am. Yeah, well, even even getting the sense of like, let's just for arguments' sake say they were completely right on the their interpretation of the law or whatever. Does that is that does that make what they're doing or their application completely right? Like if they're missing. God in flesh in front of them, or they're missing what God is doing in, in their midst. Um, does their near-perfect application of the law make them justified? And the answer is no, of course it doesn't. Um, but I think we I think we live that way all the time, where we crowd Jesus out because we think now that we have the tools that we have, then we can come about as clear as we possibly can to the, the application, and we wouldn't say the law. We'd say whatever sounds Jesus-adjacent. Um, but yeah, Jesus-adjacent sounds... Like a like in two thousands Christian band, I wish I, Jason. I I wish I had a uh, yeah Jesus Jesus and Jason led by lead singer Jason. Oh
1: Jesus and Jason. Jesus no Jesus what you said Jesus Jason Jesus
0: Jason led by lead singer Jason. There it is. Um, but I, I I I see myself I see myself in this all the time, and I think it'd be really easy. I think in my life I get I can get really hung up on people, um, who. I would see as unclear, right? like there are lots of people who I disagree with theologically who who say things that i would I would be like man i don't see that in scripture or whatever um and I think there are clear times where that's okay and you you call it out and you have a conversation, you have a bible study and and you and you you do all that sort of stuff, but then I also wonder sometimes where it's like yeah, but if my heart is is really being hardened to this person, if if my if I'm defending my perspective out of anger or frustration or whatever it would be, am I missing? Am I missing who Jesus is in this moment? Right.
1: I I think that is dead on, and that that is actually really helpful to me in interpreting this. And the next account is another account that adds texture to it because it's another, I uh, it's another Sabbath day account after this there in, in Luke. But yeah, it's it is. Their spirit, their ultimate furiousness, their ultimate desire to kill him demonstrates, I think they caught his message clearly. I think they caught his message clearly that he was comparing himself first to David, which would have been very offensive. And this, you know, this nobody, this Nazarene, you know, what, you know, and then the dynamic of him saying, insinuating, I guess the right word, that he's the Lord of the Sabbath, which would be, like you said earlier, the one that created, they get it. I mean, I'm struggling to get it. They got it. You know, they got it that he was claiming to be God. They didn't believe, but they did understand. And it's almost like uh, the, you know, the demons uh, believe in Jesus and they shudder. It's like, oh, okay. So you can know who he is or or at least who he's claiming to be and then reject that. And that's the same choice I have right now, Mm -hmm. you know, because I quickly become the Pharisee in the next story where I think I've got it all figured out. This goes back to even your introduction about if you're like, this is the way we do worship and it's exactly how God would want it. And then somebody comes along, and it's not the son of God, you know, that 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 we would interact with physically, but if somebody comes along and says, Man, I think God wants us to do it this way, I'm not suggesting they're right. I'm simply suggesting that if we're not open, that within itself puts us in that Pharisee role. You know, to not even asking God, what do you want from this and being curious about what he might tell us?
0: Yeah. And I think it's even helpful just to give dignity to all of these people, to understand that that the offense that i would take for somebody walking in on a sunday morning saying i'm the son of god and this is the way things are that's that's the offense that they would have taken and i think it's important to give give the pharisees that dignity to go like yeah i would i would i would take offense to that and i would feel a particular way about that and even if i in this in this circumstance i go yeah but i'm right that still doesn't <laughs> take away from the fact that like those visceral feelings um th- they would have been real and i i can understand i can understand that
1: yeah that's good i have a i have a tenderness and compassion
0: for the Pharisees being
1: told for a long time, some of these guys were very old men for their culture, that, man, you're holding the line. You're protecting us against Rome and all of the evil of the world. And I think that several had misinterpreted it, Some had found real power in it. Uh, but, but they're not coming from purely, if I can give myself grace when I look back and think, oh man, that was all about Jason, not much about Jesus. Why can't I give them grace?
0: That's so good. Thank you for listening. Grace, peace, and love.